So John was on a prison island. He was there because of his faith. It was there that he heard of struggle that was happening in the churches he had been so instrumental in planting. It's there that he would get a revelation of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He'll write down what he sees. He'll use a lot of images. Some of those images can be difficult to interpret, but the message is so clear. He used a lot of images because the people that he was writing to immediately were inundated with all of the images of Rome, the domination, the influence, the imperial power of Rome, and the persecution they were experiencing that was coming from the emperor, who was the king on the throne of their day. And John would use images, and he would write back to them and say, I've seen the throne. And Domitian is not on it. But Jesus Christ is seated on the throne. He is the victor. He is our victory. And he is the pathway of victory. He'll write down what he sees. And it's mind-blowing. And it's overwhelming. And it all started on a Sunday. To me, it's the second greatest, most famous Sunday of history. The greatest Sunday is the Sunday that Jesus rose again. But on this Sunday, when John received this revelation, it was so overwhelming that it has passed down through the ages, and we're still talking about it tonight. This one Sunday morning builds my message to you tonight, and from that one Sunday, I'm going to call it What we see there can happen every Sunday, comma, every day. What happened and what we'll see, because when we get into Scripture and we turn the Word of God loose in this place, it will do the work. Because it's the authority and it has the power to be so specific and personal to each one of us. And we're just going to let it fill this room and fill our hearts until we find ourselves ready and passionate to respond to his word to us. This word, it is so unique and it is so powerful and it's got two phases. It starts out with the transcendence. He's going to see the sevenfold majesty of God. But then it transitions and he's going to have an encounter, a personal encounter with this majestic, transcendent God. To capture what I'm saying, back to the first church that Kelly and I pastored. We started pastoring in 1989. Church started growing. We needed more space. So we developed plans and construction started. The building is coming toward completion and One family just had this passion, and they donated money so that as you came in the lobby, there was this amazing mural stained glass of the resurrected Christ. As I would walk through as construction was nearing completion and that it was completely installed, and it was awesome, there was a subcontractor that I would see most every morning 
He would just be standing and looking. One morning as I came through, I could see and sense something had happened. So I stopped and I said, what's up? He said, you know, I stand here and look at Jesus every morning. And he goes, every day he's just been so up there. But today he's just so right here. And without a sermon, without a person witnessing to him, in that moment, in that lobby, looking up at Jesus, who was so over all, yet became so personal, he repented of his sin, accepted Christ as his Savior, and became the first convert of that new church facility. Yeah. And what we're about to see in Revelation 1 is John's way of saying, what was so up there is now so right here. And if we ever miss what is so up there and we trivialize the greatness of God, we'll neutralize the power of the personal encounter in praise and worship. What am I talking to you about tonight? Listen to this. Hallelujah. To the one who paid it all. Transcendent. Magnificent. Name above all names. Lamb of God. Magnificent. Now watch this. Thank you. Thank you for loving me. For saving me. That's Revelation 1. And as we walk through it, may the word of God literally capture every ounce of focus. And may it change your life. So this is Revelation 1, starting at verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And with a golden sash around his chest. John is seeing Jesus' inseparable relationship with his people, with his church. The lampstands represent you and me, the church. And there Jesus is. He's going to be the answer to all the problems in these churches. Jesus isn't writing them off, walking away, or giving up on them. In fact, as you read it, he's right in the midst of the churches. And as long as Jesus is in the midst of your life and in the midst of this church, there will always be a pathway of overcoming. Here John is seeing the resurrected majestic Jesus as the father. And any right father-son, father-daughter relationship, there is reverence and relationship. There's respect. You see, Father God is the author of our lives. That's the only reason we're here. But He's not a God who's distant and unspeaking. He came to have a relationship with us. And John is seeing this one among the people. And when you see this robe that He's dressed in and it goes down to His feet, it's the high priest of the Old Testament who was making sacrifice. But bring it forward. Jesus is... 
the priest and the sacrifice. And Jesus dies and becomes the shock absorber for all sin, for all shame, for all guilt, for all addiction. And anybody who calls out on him, you're saved, transformed, and changed. Oh, how awesome Jesus is. Verse 14, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. And his face was like the Phoenix Suns shining in all its brilliance. That was for Weston. That's the Weston message paraphrase right there. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. He's father, and now John is seeing him as master, as Lord Almighty, as the one who is brilliant, who is the wisdom of the ages, who has position and foundation, the footing, has having come through the fire. Every square inch of Vegas is his. Every grain of sand is his. Matter of fact, I'm overwhelmed when I realize that in Isaiah 40, it says, to whom will you compare me? This is the Lord speaking. Who's my equal? He has no equal. There's not even a close second. David said it right. Your glory is higher than the heavens. How awesome. Says he brings out the starry hosts one by one and he calls them each by name. Now think about that. The sun in the sky, it's a modest star in our galaxy. It's, it's burning at about 6,000 degrees centigrade. How hot is that? Just go outside. <laughs> it's traveling at about a smooth 150 miles per second. It is one of a hundred billion such stars just in our galaxy, not to mention the millions of other galaxies that are beyond our galaxy that our telescopes can now see. So this equates to a hundred billion million stars. Scientists have no clue just how many stars there really are, more than we could ever fathom. And out of a hundred billion million stars, God, God, brings them out one by one and calls them by name. This is who John is seeing. He's not only a father. He's not only a master of it all. He's the king. Early in the revelation, it talks about his voice. And then toward the end, once again, from his voice comes the word. It's like a Niagara. It's going to overwhelm every other voice. It is the word. It's the eternal word. It's the living word. It's the infallible word. It's not just word as information. It's word as a person. He is the word. The living word. John. On that Sunday is seeing the glory and the majesty. And what happened on that Sunday 
can happen every Sunday and every day. So before we make the transition, just as a pastor, this is a pastoral word. And you are, you are so, so careful in your worship because we sense it. We've talked about it. Kelly and I have talked about there's not just energy in this room. This is the energy of God. This is not just the presence of a lot of people because people in seats do not determine the presence of God. The presence of God is here. There's power because here's, here's my pastoral challenge. End our familiarity. May we never trivialize him. May we never neutralize him. May we never reduce him. And God forbid, may we never redefine him. He's God. He's Father. He's Master. He's King. Will you praise him with me tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Now make the transition. Remember my guy at the stained glass? He's so up there, but today he's like so right here. John now says in verse 17, this is overwhelming. Verse 17, then he placed his right hand on me. How personal. He's been writing what will be passed to these seven churches about the greatness of God who's on the throne. The power of the resurrected Christ. It will not only be passed on to the churches, it'll be passed down through the ages. And yet it didn't stop with just the majesty of God. It transitions to where the one who's so overall would yet be so personal, so immediate, so specific. And in this amazing atmosphere, this is why when people leave a church that's filled with the presence and the word of God, someone over in this section will say, it's like that service was just for me. It's like Pastor Jabin has been listening in to my conversation. He knew exactly the message I needed to hear. The worship, it's like it was designed for me. Then someone over here leaves and says, and I know there were a lot of people. It was like packed, but it, it's like I was the only one in the room. Because that was just for me. Because when we refuse to trivialize him and neutralize him, he takes just the sack lunch of our lives, puts a blessing on it, breaks it, and he feeds a multitude. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. John said he touched me. Then he spoke to me. Jesus will speak to you. Savior of the world, God of gods, King of kings will speak to you. That's overwhelming. He said, John, now imagine. John is seeing this revelation of Jesus. And then Jesus just touches him. And then he says, John, 
John, because I am who I am, you don't have to worry about where you are. We get in places of fear, places of doubt, places of uncertainty, places of apprehension. And that circumstance begins to invade our thoughts as though it's in control. But this powerful, transcendent God moves right close to you tonight and says, because of who I am, you don't have to worry about where you are. As if to say, fear's not in control. This Roman emperor is not in control. This island where all you hear are the moans in a minor key as people starve to death. This is not going to be the final word of your life. Why, 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 John? Listen, John, listen. I'm Alpha and I'm Omega. I'm A to Z. I'm the beginning and the end. And John, 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 your story gets folded into my story. And my story doesn't end with death on an island. My story doesn't end in defeat. My story ends in victory. And your story gets folded into my story. That's perspective that builds faith. John, I'm Alpha and I'm Omega. That means I'm the reference point, John. What Rome is doing is not the reference point. Who I am is the reference point. Let me bring it forward. Breaking news is not our reference point. Jesus is our reference point. My circumstance is not the reference point. Jesus is my reference point. The diagnosis is not the reference point. Jesus is the reference point. He's Alpha and Omega. And my story gets folded in to the larger story of the King of glory. Give him a praise. Take a moment. Praise him. We worship you. We magnify you. We exalt you. We worship you. He says, John, John, I am the living one. John, I was dead, but I'm alive. John was in his 90s. Jesus would have died about 65 years before this encounter that we're reading about tonight. John, don't see me as just a person of history. Don't ever just define me as a historical figure. While it is true in time and place, I died. There is a day, there is a place where it happened. But John, I rose again. This is what separates God and separates Christianity from any other religion. Because no other No other statement of faith has a leader who stands and says, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm alive forevermore. And you can go to the place where they laid him. He made a fool 
of the grave. So John, I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and hell. That means, John, nothing can lock you in because I have the keys. As the worship team comes tonight, let me conclude by telling you that nothing can lock you in. My heart is gripped by the fact that over the last several months, we've seen such a spike in depression. It's no respecter of age. It is affecting every demographic. It is affecting every generation. It is affecting men and women, young and old. But I have come to say tonight that because he holds the keys, depression doesn't have the power to lock you in. Praise him with me tonight. Sickness cannot lock you in by his stripes. We are healed. He holds the keys. Addiction cannot lock you in. I don't know how long you may have struggled with some life controlling problem. And it has a voice in your life. And it says, I have you now. You're never getting out of this. Answer that altar call tonight. You'll be right back with me tomorrow because I have you locked in. You've tried before. You'll cycle right back to me because I have you locked in. I stand to tell you that this transcendent almighty God moves in a very personal way to you tonight. And he says, I hold the keys. Therefore, no addiction has the power to keep you locked in. He's greater than any addiction. He's greater than what is causing the addiction. So tonight, we give him praise. I praise him in this sanctuary. I praise him for his mighty acts. I praise him for his excellent greatness. You know what I think is happening? Something's happening right now. Something's happening. Something's happening right now. These these early Christians, they would have these encounters with God. And it was like the Lord would pull the curtain back between the natural and the supernatural. And the line between the natural and the supernatural would get blurred. And they called it the thin place. I love that wording. It was just their way of describing that right now on this earth, it's as it is in heaven. It's a manifestation. There's a manifestation of the presence of God in this room. He's here. The great and awesome God, the God who so loved the world, seven plus billion people. He's been everywhere and seen everybody today. 
and he's in this room with a deposit with with a work of God that causes you to say he is here and in this thin place where the supernatural comes into the natural you begin to realize he's touching me he's speaking to me do not fear I'm with you I'm leading you I'm guiding you hallelujah to the one who paid it all to the name above all names greater than any other name that is named in this world above and beneath from past to the future name above all names we're going to reference his greatness and then we're going to say thank you thank you for loving me for saving me come on stand to your feet give him a praise tonight